Simple conversations with deeper meanings. Georgia, a great place to film. And Sheriff Fred, a funny man? It's all next on episode 21 of Resurrection Reveal. Thanks again for joining us on Resurrection Revealed, an unofficial podcast and blog by fans and for fans of ABC Television's Resurrection. We've got theories and more. Tonight, recorded June 18th, 2014, I'm Wayne Henderson, the voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who also enjoys operating a propane-powered renegade radio station in Chester's Mill. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, knowing exactly how Jacob felt being stuck in an airport before I could finally go home. Great to be with you once again with our continued Season 1 bonus coverage as we dig into the Season 1 DVD extras recently released this past June 10th. That's right. Season 1 is now available for you to order over at our Amazon affiliate store, resurrectionrevealed.com slash season 1. That's the place you go. You can pick up the two-disc DVD set, or if you prefer iTunes for your TV season collection, we warn you that the extras that we're going to be talking about today are only available on those shiny physical DVDs. But if you don't need the extras, you can get season 1 at resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes season 1. So those extras were very interesting, Wayne. I got to watch them, and I'm kind of surprised they were actually left out. I think maybe it's because we actually seen the entire season, and because of that, we're looking at the extras and the deleted scenes with maybe a different lens. And I'm wondering if a rewatch of season one, now that we have the DVD, might be in order, because my lost radar definitely went up on high gear during some of these deleted conversations. Oh, absolutely. And I I agree 100%. All three of the deleted scenes, I thought were pretty important and beautifully done. And other than just having to cut something out to make room for one or two more commercials, I don't see any reason why these were taken out of the show. They were great. Well, let's go ahead and get into those three scenes this evening. I'm going to let you start, Wayne, with Tom and the dog. That's right. You cannot go wrong with a dog. This is a deleted scene from the pilot episode. It's at the church. It involves a tennis ball and a dog. And that, of course, sums up all the fun stuff. And Pastor Tom's wife comes by and wants to know why he seems so confused. That animal. Don't care about what happened yesterday, what happens tomorrow. Just totally free. Philosophizing about the dog. Now I know something's wrong. I wish you would tell me. So really interesting things here, because I know some people tend to take a look at dog. And if you reverse those letters, you come up with G-O-D, God. So is he having this conversation kind of telepathically with the dog in this scene to kind of ponder this, okay, Jacob's back. How do I deal with this concept as a pastor? At the same time, you can already see that it's weighing on his relationship with his wife because for some reason he and his wife aren't talking. And of course, we know that that leads into bigger and worse things for Pastor Tom as Rachel returns. Right. And that's what's interesting is that this scene, and of course the audio clips that we just played, as well as what we're going to be playing for the other scenes, those are just a little bit of the deleted scenes. 
But Tom is already kind of confused and conflicted, and Rachel hasn't even come back yet. It's just over Jacob returning. It really has him uh, thinking about stuff. So it does foreshadow that things are going to get even more complicated for Pastor Tom. But I thought this was a wonderful scene, and it was great getting to see his wife so early on. And I really love, too, how he mentioned that the dog, you know, careless, doesn't have to worry about tomorrow. And I'm wondering if that's Pastor Tom kind of reflecting back on Rachel and the suicide, because at the same time, you know, he's angry at Rachel for killing herself, but now he's having this conflicting moment. So is that the same for him? You know, is he contemplating suicide at the same time in this process that he's going through as he tosses this ball? That's a good question. I don't think he is. I think he's mostly just trying to figure out why this miraculous boy Jacob is alive again and back in town. And with him being the pastor that everybody's looking to for answers, how's he going to explain this in this week's sermon? Well, another person that's looking for answers in these deleted scenes, I think, is J. Martin Bellamy himself. You know, he's in town and he's trying to figure out, should he be getting the feds involved? Should he be calling his boss? Should he be protecting these people? And of course, we know from watching the season that he has this issue of this one child that he's basically put into foster care system. And because of that, the, the child ends up dying. So he has this like need, this desire to protect these people. But of course, does he have a deeper connection based on what we find out in the season finale? So in this deleted scene, we have Marty basically standing by his car, giving his boss a call and having a conversation with her. Look, I don't want to put you in a bad position with your bosses anymore. So if you feel a need to cut me loose, I understand. But I know why I'm here now. If I don't protect these people, nobody else will. So I'm staying. And if that means I don't have a job anymore, I'll take my chances. And that's just a little bit of the scene that was cut from episode six entitled Home. And it's interesting hearing Marty there on the phone. Leave, it sounds like he's just leaving a voicemail, not actually talking to anybody. But it's almost like, you know, I got to do what I got to do. And if I don't ever get to come back and have my job, then it's fine by him. A really interesting way for Marty to lay that all out there. Yeah, I thought it was really great that this was cut from episode six because we've been kind of with Marty. You know, obviously, Caleb has disappeared in the jail cell at this point. And so he really feels this need, this desire to make sure that nothing bad happens. So right now we have this connection immediately uh, to Jacob because he's afraid that Jacob's going to disappear like Caleb and he's willing to actually give up his job to protect Jacob and this family of the Langstons. The bigger question I have for you, Wayne, is because he's willing to give up his job, is it for some deeper purpose? Is it some deeper meaning? Does he feel, I know we were talking about a sense of connectedness amongst the returned, the resurrected, whatever you want to call them. Is he feeling some kind of channeling because his parents are coming back? That's what I want to know, because I think that might be the reason why they took this scene out, because it's a really well done scene. I love the way that it was performed and put together in there. But now that we know what happened in the final two episodes of season one, where we find out that uh, J. Martin Bellamy is one of the returned himself, whether or not he knows it yet, looking back, this scene kind of almost gives you a little hint of things to come. And I believe you're spot on, Troy, with the fact that they do seem to have some sort of connectedness, if you want to call it that. 
It's like with twins. They have their own connectedness as they go through life, but the returned take it to a whole level. Now, of course, we don't know yet for sure if Marty has even subliminal thoughts that he might be one of them, but he does seem to have an extra touch with Jacob and some of the other returned already. And I can't wait for season two because it is all going to come together in a big rush. Well, we still don't know for certain if Marty is a return. Maybe he survived that onslaught of water at the sawmill and he has been living the normal life. If you're in the 1970s birth concept of J. Martin Bellamy and the Thompsons dying in the flood, but he surviving, which I think really comes into play really well when you hear this next deleted scene uh, where it's, I think it's Henry and uh, Marty at the water. Is that not correct, Wayne? Right. Marty and Henry down at the river. This is another scene that was cut from the pilot episode. And I'll just play the clip here. This is just a little bit of it, but it really lays out a lot of good information. I don't know when, but at some point I stopped thinking about him every day. About the way he laughed. And his, his hair. Some joke I wanted to tell him. Three decades. And now every gesture, every word reminds me of the life that I could have had, that I should have had. It's cruel. When you lose someone, it can be hard to find your place in the world again. Hard to give yourself to a world that's taken so much away. Now, he's saying that, right? When you lose someone, it's hard to find your place in the world again. And of course, this could be referring to two things. This could be referring to the fact that he lost that boy that he placed in the foster care system. Or could it be that he's referring to the fact that he lost his parents? Maybe he knows that they died and he survived, which means that maybe he's not a returned. That's why he sleeps just fine and he doesn't have this you know, hungry desire to eat. So I thought that was really interesting because as Henry's talking to him, you know, he's basically saying like, what life could I have had if this tragedy hadn't happened? And that leads me to think maybe that's why they cut this scene out because it really harkens to this fact of if I lose my parents, maybe because of that, I'm set on a path that would have been completely different had I actually stayed on the original path. And I think those are the exact reasons why I wish that clip would have been left in for the airing of the pilot episode. It seems so important, not only the things that he says, but even the brief bit that Henry talks about the river itself. Because we look at it, it doesn't look like that rough of a river, though I know that during stormy seasons they do get stronger. But he explains that the current in that river is so strong because the river is so deep. And of course, we know that All of the returned, or at least a large chunk of them, have something to do with that river and water. And I wonder how deep, you know, if they've really gone and found something at the bottom of that river, or if they will in season two. But I did want to ask Troy, so we seem to be on different sides of the fence, that you're thinking there's a good chance that Marty is not one of the returned. And I thought, judging by the final two episodes of the season, that they're practically telling us that he is one of the returned because I think his parents, I know that we're just going by visual cues, but it looks like they are all from maybe the 1920s is what it looks like to me. Yeah. And what it looked like was that they had kind of these, you know, 
call it poorer kind of clothing style. And somebody had mentioned on Twitter right after the finale that some people in the 1970s would have dressed that way also if they came from, you know, urban areas or, you know, not being as well off, which of course these guys weren't since they were living in the sawmill and not in their own house. You know, it really begs the question of how old was Henry's dad um, at that time, because that's really the person who put them up in the sawmill in the first place. So that's really where we have to figure out where this timeline kind of shakes out. I hope they explore that in season two, because it'd be really great to get the answer to the question, is he or isn't he? And I think that's probably one of the big mysteries of the show. And we may not actually find that answer until the very end. We might have to break out one of our uh, little memes from Under the Dome Radio, the other podcast that we do that's coming up in a couple of weeks, where we could have either hashtag Team Wayne or hashtag Team Troy. Which way do you go on the whole J. Martin Bellamy thing? Yeah, so if you're hashtag Team Troy, you're thinking he's not a returned. And if you're hashtag Team Wayne, then you're thinking he is a returned. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I do hope that they address the, the truth of the matter early on in season two. I really did like all these deleted scenes, though. I think it really added something to the show, and it really made me kind of, like we said, put up that Lost radar again, because if you go back and watch Lost, once you know how it ends, there's so many clues along the way to basically like, oh, how did I not see that? That was just literally stuck there right in my face with a thumbtack, like, yo, idiot, look here kind of thing. And, you know, we kind of had part of that, I guess, in episode five when he had that rubber ball that he's bouncing in the pilot in the second episode. And then he picks the rubber ball up off the ground in season five. So they're doing the kind of look back to previous episodes already in the first season. So, I mean, every conversation in the show could potentially lead you to a theory or it could potentially lead you to the answer or it could be the biggest red herring of all. The writers know for sure. And we'll find out when they're ready for us to find out. And again, we highly encourage you, if it's in your budget, to uh, purchase the Season 1 DVDs of Resurrection. Not available on Blu-ray this time. So the DVDs, the clarity is really, really good on those. But this is where all the bonus features are. And again, you can help out the show and buy it through our Amazon affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Season 1. And in addition to those awesome deleted scenes, which alone just make the package that much more awesome. But of course, there's the usual bloopers and little bits on other stuff going on. Troy, do you want to start us off on one of those action-packed parts and tell us what you liked about it? Yeah, they had a little vignette. It's kind of like a, you know, what is this show about? It's the actors kind of telling their sides and points of view. Aaron Zellman has a spot on there as well. And Kathleen Monroe gets the um, feature right out of the gate, but everybody kind of gives their input. Yeah, Kurtwood gives a, a line and Omar gives a line. Uh, Devin Kelly gave a line. You know, it was really great that if you aren't, if you don't know anything about Resurrection at this point, this is the vignette you should watch before you start watching the eight episodes and then go back, obviously, and watch the deleted scenes and the rest of the commentary after the fact. But I thought it was a really nice little vignette to explain the show and what it's really all about. It does give away, however, the that they're looking at their own corpses. So that is given away in this little vignette that they do see their corpses. And Kathleen Monroe specifically says the word clones. You know, all of us that are Orphan Black fans are dealing with, with the clone stuff there. So that could be a hot topic as we go into season two that they bring up this clone concept. So that does give away a little bit in the vignette if you haven't seen the eight episodes. So just be wary depending on how you want to watch it and be revealed as it goes along. 
Right. Although I don't think that particular reveal is that much that if you saw it ahead of time that it's going to deter from everything going on on the show. Especially like we talked about on one of our previous episodes of Resurrection Revealed that one of the ABC promos kind of spoiled the whole (laughs) Kathleen Monroe seeing her body in the casket you know, way at the beginning of the season. And then we didn't actually see that episode till much, much later that I had totally forgotten about seeing it so, so long ago. Now there was another great vignette on here where they talk about the location where they were shooting. And I think this is great because, you know, Wayne and I, as we mentioned, do this other podcast under the dome radio, and it takes place in a small town in North Carolina in Wilmington through screen gem studios. And in this case, resurrection, It takes place in Atlanta, Georgia, in the surrounding area. And it just so happens that our good friends at Screen Gem Studios also have a studio there in Atlanta and were part of this production. So I thought that was really great that we have a a, a sister tie-in to our sister shows through the good folks over there at Screen Gems. And Screen Gems is actually um, a a family-owned business. It's actually owned by the Cooney family, where they actually invested really heavily in Georgia and focused on hiring and training locals and Georgia-based professionals for the shooting lots. And just some facts from the Georgia Film and Music uh, Digital Entertainment Office, the Georgia film industry is actually thriving in large part because Georgia does offer a state film credit, uh, tax credit, of up to 30% along with sales and use tax exemptions. So, I mean, that's a really huge thing. All these tax incentives that governments are giving film crews to shoot in their states and outside of Hollywood is really why we're seeing film you know, take off in Atlanta and, of course, film continue to bloom in Wilmington, North Carolina. Not to mention all of the other action that's been filmed up in Vancouver, Canada as well. I, I remember it just seemed like almost everything was filmed in New York and Los Angeles, Hollywood, back in the day. And, and now, finally, people have realized, you know, you can film almost anywhere And it's interesting that they go to Georgia and make it uh, go with the small town feel that's so similar to what they do in Wilmington, North Carolina as well. So it's all good. And uh, thank you, Screen Gem Studios. And it's really a a big thing because when these film productions come into town, whether it's Wilmington, Atlanta, or anywhere else in the States, I mean, these things create lots of jobs. I mean, just 30,000 jobs alone to Georgians because Screen Gem Studios and the group have been there. I mean, that's a lot of people that are put to work, building sets, makeup, hair, lighting, sound crews. It's just a really great thing to be able to give people jobs and work in this great industry and work on great shows that we could talk about and share with all of you, the fans. Oh, absolutely. In addition to the fact that some people want to kind of get their foot in the door, break out in the business and become an extra on some of these shows, it's a win-win for everybody involved. Going back to Lost, who would have thought that you could film a TV show for six years, almost 99% of the show filmed in Hawaii? I know, it's amazing what they're able to do with these locations. I mean, in this featurette that they have on the the extras, they talk about how in Georgia, you can literally go north a couple hours and be in a mountain setting, and then literally go a couple hours south and literally be at the ocean. So, I mean, the sets and settings that you can do for a show like Resurrection are really endless because they shoot in the Atlanta area. Now, I know that some people are like, well, you know, it's Arcadia, Missouri in the show, so why couldn't we film this in the real Arcadia, Missouri? And we do have a lot of great friends out there. They had the the, the pilot party and they had the uh, finale party. And it would be great to have, you know, people shoot some stuff 
from the film reel or maybe the B-roll from the real Arcadia, Missouri. But again, it's a matter of where can I get the most scenery in one consolidated area, of course, close to an airport and all of that jazz where we can get enough laborers to do the work that we need to do. So I think we're going to see Resurrection be in the Atlanta area for most of the run, I would think. Another feature that was on the DVDs, this is the good old blooper reel, Troy. Yeah, I thought it was really great how Omar Apps was just basically having a real moment in one of the bloopers with uh, Landon Jimenez says he's playing uh, his Legos on the floor. He's like, I totally beat your score in Donkey Kong, yo. <laughs> and Landon's just trying to hold it together and he totally busts out laughing. It was great. Yeah, just everything to do with like, uh, you know, seeing a bit of the microphone in the restaurant and just the basic blooper stuff. But it's always good because if you don't get a blooper reel on your uh, bonus features, then you're going to feel left out. So it's obligatory, but I still, you know, I always watch. The standout of the blooper reel, though, has to be Matt Craven, who plays Sheriff Fred, because, I mean, (laughs) this guy has probably got the hardest role, I think, on the show because he's dealing with so much emotional turmoil with his drinking, with his loss of his wife, the potential loss of his daughter because he betrayed her. You know, so for him to ha- and you know deal with Gary and the whole Gary and Rachel situation in the cabin. So he's got a really tough role to play and to see Matt Craven kind of have this lighter side in his blooper reel as he's trying to connect his walkie-talkie microphone onto his belt and have this conversation and try to keep the scene going. Absolutely hysterical and then they're talking uh, in the woods when they're trying to find where Caleb buried the money and they're having this conversation and a train starts to go by in the background and he's like, yeah, well, they're those dingling things. <laughs> he just, he's just a funny guy. And it'd be, you know, it's really great to see him have one side as Matt Craven and then, of course, have this other side as Sheriff Fred. So really great stuff on the blooper reel from Matt. And of course, Landon just kills it in the bloopers as well. And it kind of makes you wonder uh, for some of those side uh, police walkie-talkie microphones they they need to be cordless now because that cord I could I could see where that would cause me a lot of problems, especially if you're like running down a guy you know if you're running down a guy and your cord gets stuck on a fence post as you're climbing over the fence that could be disastrous or on uh, maybe the butt of your gun and pulls it out of the holster it could be a problem. <laughs> It's good stuff. I was so glad to have uh, been able to have seen these right away because just kind of helped the season last a little bit longer. So how did you feel about the extras overall? I know it's only a two-disc set, and I know it's not on Blu-ray, but overall, what do you give a score for these extras for the first season? Well, aside from the fact that I wish that there was more, but then again, like you mentioned, it's an eight-episode season. It fits on two discs. No, we aren't going to have like a full disc full of bonus features. So with that being said, I would give it eight out of 10 games of tennis ball fetch. I really liked the bonus features. Just wish there were more, but I'm savoring the ones that we do get there on the DVDs. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I gave it eight out of 10 deep thoughts with an occasional chuckle. (laughs) Your chuckle or the, uh, the chuckles from the cast members? Well, it just, you know, watching the, the first parts of the deleted scenes and you're just kind of like, whoa, that's really deep. And then you have this kind of lighthearted moment with Landon and Matt on the second half of the extras. I thought it was a really good balance, you know, as you were watching this, you know, probably what, eight minutes, 10 minutes of content in total. Yeah, I tried not to add it all up because then it would made, make me uh, realize that there really could have been more. 
But uh, who knows, with this uh, season two of Resurrection being expanded to 15 or 16 episodes, we might get twice as many bonus features on next year's DVDs, maybe even on Blu-ray. And if you get a lot more seasons, like Lost, you can get that cool, full series, awesome set that maybe is in the shape of, I don't know, a river or something. Or a casket with a a faded body shirt in it. No, that'd be too gruesome. That'd be a little creepy. (laughs) I like your idea better. (laughs) Well, there's some weird box sets out there, but uh, that, that would be cool. But we're looking way, way ahead. Well, I mean, the show doesn't come back till September, but I think for the fans, I think what we'll do, maybe we'll watch, we will watch episodes one through four and maybe give like a rewatch podcast sometime in July. And then we'll watch episodes five through eight and do a rewatch podcast in August. And then we'll be back hopefully with maybe another interview with Aaron or maybe Michelle or Tara come closer to the start of the season for September. So I think it'd be great to keep subscribed and keep the feed alive because we'll get content out to you as soon as we have something to share. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of interviews, again, I'm just humbled and honored that we were able to interview so many people involved with Resurrection this past season. Actors, cast, um, Aaron Zellman, the creator of the television series, and Jason Mott, the writer of The Returned, which became the series. We've been very blessed this past season, and we just love talking about the show. Absolutely. We couldn't have thanked our friends at ABC, too, in the PR department for making those connections and being really a big supporter of the show also. And of course, all of you, the fans, without you guys listening, obviously, we wouldn't be getting all the great people to come onto the show and talk about this great thing that we all love with all of the res heads. Absolutely. So with that, going to head out for now. Remember, Resurrection Revealed is not affiliated with ABC Television or Plan B. And since we are an unofficial podcast, we do have, you know, costs for the website, the MP3 hosting, all that other good stuff. So if you'd consider supporting the fan podcast in a couple of ways, again, you can do all your Amazon shopping, whether you're buying the DVDs of Resurrection or anything else. Just go to ResurrectionRevealed.com slash Amazon. Even better, you can donate directly to the show. Help us invest in making Resurrection Revealed even better for Season 2. You can donate once in any amount you'd like or sign up for an ongoing monthly donation. Anything you can do will help keep your podcast rolling right along. Visit ResurrectionRevealed.com slash support. And of course, please keep connected with us. You know, Larry, where can people find us on Twitter? At Resurrection Pod. Yes, Larry, there is a Resurrection Pod, so if anybody would like to follow us, just go to at Resurrection Pod. Of course, our personal accounts, you can follow Troy over at Troy Heinrichs, and myself, I am at T-I-W-W-H. And of course, if Facebook is your go-to thing, just go to ResurrectionRevealed.com slash Facebook. It'll take you right there and like the page. But most importantly, be sure to subscribe to the feed. You can do that in a few ways from ResurrectionRevealed.com. Just click the subscribe links right at the top of the page. We got one for iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart. However you consume the podcast, we just want to say thank you from all of us here at Noodle Mix Network. Until next time, I'm Troy. And I'm Wayne Henderson. We'll be back soon for more Resurrection Revealed.
Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Be sure to go under the dome June 30th with Wayne and myself as Chester's Mill is about to be in for a bumpy ride this season. Subscribe and follow at underthedomeradio.com to become a fellow domey. This great show and more great content can be found at noodle.mx.